Here's the 0-1. This is going to be a tough play. Bryant, the Cubs, with the wide series! Bryant makes the play! It's over! And the Cubs have finally won it all! 8-7 and 10! Hello and welcome to episode 75 of the A Foot in the Box podcast. My name is Peter Elliott. And I'm Paul Elliott. And the Chicago Cubs are the champions of baseball. How's it feel, Pete? It feels pretty great. It feels pretty great. I am on six hours of sleep in the last uh, 60 hours of living. <laughs> so that's like two nights of three hours? Roughly, with the naps and scattered in. Uh, yeah, so physically and uh, mentally grinding. Just like the Cubs. Yeah, 100, 108 years of futility is down the drain. And the Chicago Cubs are your 2016 World Series champions. Uh, so lots to talk about, but I want to stick to some sort of structure for this podcast. So we've got three kind of segments uh, to view the Cubs winning it all. First one, uh, just generally, you know, how we felt about the Cubs winning it. Me as a Cubs fan, Paul as, you, as a um, White Sox fan. Mm-hmm. Forgot the team name for a second. <laughs> Everyone forgets us, don't worry. I saw the big arrow. I drove by it. <laughs> oh, on. Guaranteed rate. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Uh, so we're going to talk about generally how we felt during during that game seven and when the Cubs won it. Uh, and then we are going to uh, look more specifically into Game 7, kind of the big moments, and there were dozens of them. Mm-hmm. And so uh, really looking forward to dissecting that. And, um, you know, if you're someone that watched Game 7 or listened to it, I think it'll be fun for you to kind of enter back in that mode. Uh, if you're a Cubs fan, if you're an Indians fan, you're probably not listening to this podcast. But uh, great season, and uh, better luck next year. Uh, and then lastly, we're going to close it out with an interview with our friend Marcus, who um, is our older brother John's friend, uh, has become our friend over the years, and he attended Game 6 and Game 7. He's a, a diehard Cubs fan, um, lives in central Illinois. So looking forward to all those, but uh, first, let's not forget our Nelly fun fact. Uh, thanks to him for our intro song. We like to honor him each week by giving him some free uh, publicity. Uh, this week uh, was his birthday, November 2nd, so happy birthday, Nelly. Mm-hmm. Uh, November 2nd was also the day the Cubs won the World Series. And as we've talked about before, Nelly is a Cardinals fan, and so he uh, did kind of a weird Skype Sports Illustrated interview where he was really hoping that the Cubs would lose on his birthday, but that did not happen. I feel like that is the definition of a clickbait News story. So you know what? Let's uh, let's play that audio for you right now. Nelly, you got the St. Louis Cardinals cap going today. Uh, how yep. are you feeling about this game seven tonight with the Cubs and a World Series title on the line? You know what? Um, today might be the best day and the worst day of my life at this point. Um, it's actually my birthday, November the second. But I would hate to be November the second to be remembered as the day the Cubs won their first World Series, and I don't know how, how long. Um, I might forget being 42 for the rest of my life. I might want to wipe that out. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I got I got one game left, man. I got one life left, and hopefully um, the Cleveland can pull it out for me. And we have just become that clickbait <laughs> news story. So, yeah. so th- thanks to Nelly uh, for intro song, and sorry your birthday was ruined. 
Uh, all right, so let's talk about just general. I don't even know how to describe this segment, what to label it, but just uh, yeah, how, how we felt. Uh, such a surreal experience. The Cubs won the World Series. <clears throat> yeah, and I feel like you can't overstate, you know, what we witnessed the last two weeks. Like I think it's if you take a step back, it's probably one of the five greatest teams of all time, the 2016 Cubs. Mm-hmm. I agree. Breaking the longest, you know, championship drought in sports history mm-hmm. and doing it in game seven, which was one of the greatest World Series games of all time. And so you combine and, those three things. Well, and you're forgetting they came back from down 3-1. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. Like that that gets lost in like, all of them. You know, it's so cliche that people say, uh, you know, you c- couldn't have written a better script or something like that. And a lot of times you can't write a better script. But for this, like, you know, there are a couple of things. Maybe you have Ross hitting a walk-off homer or something like that or Game sure. 7 at Wrigley. But, like, legitimately, the, it seemed like a movie script. Like, mm-hmm. it... I just I kind of feel like uh, God was withholding Cubs fans <laughs> for 108 years and just decided to like jam pack every possible awesome incredible storyline into one series or one season. Yep, uh, I agree 100. percent And I guess we can we can talk uh, just about what we were thinking and even today one day later um, we're recording this on uh, Thursday. Is it Thursday? Days run together. Yeah, Thursday night. Um, First, we should maybe say I had a kid. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, that, I, I have that written down. That was something. Yeah, so Paul, uh, you had a baby, Sammy. Yeah, my wife had a baby. Uh, sit, no, if Kate is listening, she will like murder you for saying that. His name is Samuel, Samuel John Elliot. Um, so you can call him Samuel or Sam, but definitely no Sammies. We'll see. Um, I don't like when people call me Pete, but I have no control over I feel over like that. I call you Pete like 40% of the time. I know. You don't like that? I'd rather you call me Peter. Oh, real talk. Um, yeah, so that was that. I, I, that's kind of added to all of this. Last year we had our first Benson, and a week later Jake Arrieta threw a perfect game, and so mm-hmm. I, those two uh, things have always been tied together in my mind. And then uh, now Cubs World Series and birth of Samuel will what always be was, tied together. What was Sammy's birthday? Uh, it's twenty ninth, October twenty ninth. Yeah, I'm gonna double check that actually the days have definitely run together i looked up some uh some of the most famous sams to ever play baseball really not many sam dyson current pitcher for the rangers uh sam west is an outfielder from the uh early 1900s i can't Uh, confirm the 29th is correct okay uh sam west outfielder four all-star games uh for the mostly the senators out of washington dc and a lot of really old players. One guy threw 400 innings in a season hmm. in the 1800s. But, I mean, clearly the most famous is Sammy Sosa. But right. I don't know if Kate would consider that. What's his real name? Probably Sam. That's a good question. I'll look it Samuel. up. Samuel. Uh, but, of course, your sons now, you pointed this out, are uh, Ben or Benson but and Sam. So Ben and Sam, our favorite uh, baseball podcasts outside of our own. Yeah, if there are any effectively wild carryovers or holdovers um yeah it obviously wasn't intentional my wife doesn't listen to effectively wild and she had to give ultimate sign off but uh maybe subconsciously was working behind the scenes or something yep sammy sosa is samuel kelvin peralta sosa Hmm. but yeah sorry i uh derailed your uh your comment about the cubs in the world series 
All right. Um, well, uh, let's talk about how we uh, experienced Game 6 and Game 7, where we were at, those sorts of things. Um, so me, and this is Peter speaking, uh, I went up to Chicago for both Game 6 and Game 7, not to go to Wrigleyville, but to watch it, watch those games with uh, our in, older In the shadows Kevin. of Guaranteed Rate Field. Yes, right next to the cells where Kevin lives. Uh, so Kevin, his wife, Lacey, and their uh, eight-month-old-ish, 10-month-old mm-hmm. uh, son, Jake, um, live near the cell, or Guaranteed Rate now. Um, so just a couple hours from Champaign, so not a terribly long drive. So on Tuesday, I worked from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m., with an hour lunch, if you're figuring that. Uh, and then drove to Chicago, watched Cubs win game six, and it was just me, Kevin Lacey, and Jake. Uh, decided to drive back that night, so I got back around 1 a.m. in Champaign, uh, and then did the, pretty much the exact same thing on Wednesday. Worked 7 to 4 Went to Chicago, but this time our other older brother, John, and his son, our nephew, Grady, uh, went up with me. Uh, so we watched it together. Paul, you were offered an opportunity to join that clan, but mm-hmm. you chose to stay with your, your wife and sons. Yeah, if I was a Cubs fan, maybe I would um, I would have thought differently. But uh, it's a tough sell to, uh, to the wife uh, watching a... Uh, um, 15 month old or 16 month old and uh, one week old while you're ce- celebrating a championship for a team that's not even your favorite. Certainly. Uh, so what, you just watching it with Kate in your living room? Is that kind of your experience? Yes, both games six and seven. It was just Kate and I. Um, we did order some chicken on Tuesday, game six. Where from? Slim chicken. It's good. Or slim chickens, plural. Good. Yeah pretty good um and then last night uh we uh had um some mexican food but yeah it was it like i'm always torn with um kind of watch parties for baseball games my actual experience of watching the game is significantly less mm-hmm. um when i'm with a large group of people saying and, it's, it's best when there's few people there yes i just i have a horrible um, attention span mm-hmm. and um maybe like my overall experience being in a communal setting is better but um yeah i just don't i don't remember as much about the game and given that my primary duty is to the podcast i <laughs> i felt like i should be as plugged into the game as possible definitely uh yeah so i watched it in chicago had a ton of fun watching it with our brothers and then got I, back. i was kind of hoping to see like a a video of you guys celebrating oh well, yeah what what were the reactions like? Uh, that's a good question. Did you, I mean, did you hug John or Kevin first? I don't remember. Hug both of them. Hug Grady, who was still awake. I think the game got over what twelve thirty. Yeah, it was a late one. Uh, probably not that late. Eleven thirty, I think, or so. So yeah, had a ton of fun. Uh, didn't get back to Champagne until about three, three thirty. So that was pretty miserable. And then I had to wake up by. Uh, had to be on the road by 6.30 to go to Indianapolis. Uh, t- that sounds awful, and it was uh, physically. felt pretty terrible um, with such little sleep. But I was able to listen to a lot of the Chicago media, yeah. sports, sports talk radio. Heard interviews with David Ross and Jed Hoyer. Um, 
on the way to Indianapolis and heard a ton of calls throughout the day. People, fans just calling in and saying, um, you know, their crazy circumstance um, and so many, you know, awesome family relationships or pe- people um, that had passed away that people had, you know, thought of. And mm-hmm. Wrigley Field is covered in chalk and so people talking about that. I feel like you get, like, there's no middle ground. You either get, like, these amazing calls or, like, the super weird calls. I was listening around... Um, lunchtime today, maybe, maybe it was like eleven o'clock, and a guy wrote a song, and called in and like play it? literally sang it. They let him play it. They let him play oh, it, wow. yeah, for like a good forty-five seconds to a minute. Was it good? Uh, no, I mean they kept replaying it. He was a fine singer, but the song was super weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the best uh, bad call that I heard on the way to Indy was um, someone saying that he knew Ben Zerbis was a Christian, and so he prayed that he would get a hit. <laughs> in the tenth inning, and he did so. He credited himself uh, for Zerbus's performance. Yeah, that's some interesting theology there. Certainly, uh, I feel pretty emotionally drained. Um, have have teared up. I haven't bawled like some Cubs fans. Teared up quite a bit over the last twenty four hours. Um, but overall, just the whole playoff run, I feel um, just. Just dead, <laughs> yeah. Uh, dead physically, dead mentally, emotionally. Um, so the Cubs had to win 17 games to uh, win it all. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I counted correctly. And they played 17 games. Yeah, they only had to win 11. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, had to win 11. Played 17. Only took the White Sox 12. Aladdin 20. Very impressive. 2005. Uh, can't let me have my moment. <laughs> So of those 17 games they played, I looked over uh, the box scores and tried to put myself back into where I was when I was watching those. I would say uh, 10 of the 17 were incredibly stressful. The other seven, I wouldn't say as much. So game two of the NLDS um, was a blowout, or it blowout-ish. Uh, game two of the NLCS, Kershaw shut us down, and it didn't seem like, you know, that big of a crisis if he beat us. And then games four and five of that series, the Cubs um, scored a ton of runs, so those weren't as stressful. And then game six, which I was at, was just not stressful at all. Mm-hmm. They were up the whole game. Dodgers never had a runner on second base. And then games one and two of the World Series were not incredibly stressful because uh, you didn't need to win game one. And then game two, um, the Cubs were in control of the whole game. So those are the, the seven that uh, weren't as stressful to me, but the other 10 uh, just gut-wrenching. Yeah, what's interesting is Madden actually turned Game 6 of the World Series, you know, which was stressful for the first couple innings until the Cubs went up, you know, 7-2 to and then 9-3 to or 9-2. to He actually turned that into a really stressful end of the game um, because I, because of everyone was debating, well, is he overusing Chapman or kind of what's going on behind the scenes? Did the, I wasn't, the bullpen get murdered or something it, like that? Yeah, it annoyed me. It didn't. Um, I wouldn't say it was really stressful. Really, the most stressful times are when you could, you know, lose and be done. So just going into that game was incredibly stressful, and um, you know, each pitch until you're up by two or three runs, each each pitch is just um, so much can happen. Yeah, uh, I will say that the most stressful moment for me was, and we'll get into this in a second, uh, is when. Chapman hung a slider to Kipnis in the ninth, and Kipnis looked like he put a great swing on it, 
he ended up being foul and mm-hmm. he actually was off the end of the bat. But I thought I thought it was over. I thought it was a walk off. It was after that pitch that I exited the living room, went into the guest room, <laughs> curled up on a bed. They didn't have any sheets on it. Um, uh, yeah, sorry, Kevin Lacey, but no, no sheets on the bed. Uh, curled up and listened uh, through my MLB app um, to the rest of the inning. I just couldn't bear to watch because yeah. I thought for sure, like Chapman was was not good, mm-hmm. did not have good stuff, throwing um, significantly slower than he normally does, and his slider's just not very effective. But he survived, and the Cubs won, um, which is awesome. So do you have any other kind of general thoughts on, I guess as a White Sox fan, what uh, do you feel like most White Sox fans are rooting for the Cubs or were, were rooting for the Cubs? Uh, I don't know. Uh, t- to be honest with you, I don't know a ton of White Sox fans. What was it? Have you talked to Dad? Uh, yeah, Dad and I were definitely rooting for the Cubs. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm different than most Sox fans in that uh, because of you guys and Mom. I, uh, I do root for the Cubs. They're probably... I don't know, my second favorite team. And so I was, I was not a kind of like unbiased observer. Sure. Um, As Kate posted on Instagram. Yeah. You know, I was, I was pretty jacked up and I tweeted before the game that it was the most pumped I had been for a game in a long time. Let's talk about your Twitter for a second. Uh, You're home this week, right? With the family. Uh, I see where this is going. You are (laughs) tweeting a ton. Uh, Too much? Well, you're just, you've... You're giving great baseball analysis. I love that. But you're tweeting Atlantic. Um, hey, that's a great article. New Yorker articles about just human existence. So, have you have you had conversations clearly, with John and Kevin about my? I haven't. Increase no, in I don't know if anyone else has noticed, but uh, <laughs> I can tell that you're. So, are you at home just reading on your desktop? Uh, I, when I'm tweeting, it's like when Benson's napping, typically. Okay. Nothing else to do. Well, yeah. Now, so you're, now you're making me feel self-conscious. Just an afterthought. Uh, what were you saying? Uh, oh, I was saying on Twitter that it was like the most hyped I've been for a game in a long time. And so I, you know, as much as maybe try to, as much as we try to stand here that I'm like offering an unbiased perspective or like just an objective viewpoint. <sighs> I don't think we've ever said that. That's definitely not the case. Um, so, I mean, the most uh, unique special World Series for me since 2005. Yeah. Definitely. Speaking of Twitter, uh, also want to say that you totally redeemed yourself after your your Kershaw prediction flop of the NLCS. You predicted the Cubs would win in seven games after they were down three one after four games, and um, I believe you were the kind of the first person I saw to to tweet that. Really? So uh, props. Hashtag Cubs in seven. So when they were down three one, you legitimately thought the Cubs were going to win this series. Yes. See. I didn't totally get people's reaction to game four, and here's why. So before the series, I I said Cubs and six. Cubs and seven is not that different from Cubs and six. You're just talking about maybe a fluke win by Tomlin or uh, Bauer, which is exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Tomlin gave them four or five innings, miraculous innings um, in game four. So, yeah, I just I, I thought that for sure the, the Cubs had the advantage. Um, with rolling out, you know, two Cy Young winners uh, in games five and six, uh, and then Lester in seven, or Arietta, Hendricks, and uh, Lester in five, you think six, seven. Hendricks is going to win the Cy Young? I do, yeah. Um, no, there's no way. Who do you think will win it? Um, 
That's a really good question. But yeah, I don't think. But Hendricks. no way that Hendricks. No, I think it'll be top five. I would be shocked if he won this. I yeah, ERA leader. He's got a chance. Uh, maybe other people split the votes. Yeah, I mean, I, you would say most people thought it was going to go at least six, right? Or I don't know. That game five, it it was very close. Chapman pitched eight outs, right? Uh, and so I think right now we look back and we're like, oh, of course they won. You know, it was Lester versus uh, Bauer, and so like, of course the Cubs won. But um, Indians took the lead first. Uh, we're up one nothing into the fifth, I think. Mm-hmm. And it was, I think Smoltz made a really good point, and he was great during the um, World Series, but in the whole playoffs. He said uh, Bryant and Rizzo were coming up, um, and, and he made the point like it's now or never. Right. Because if you got through that inning, Miller and the rest of the pen were coming in. Cody Allen was great <coughs> throughout the playoffs. Um, and Bryant hit the homer, and then they mm-hmm. kept tacking on. So, uh, And then Chapman came in for the, the eight outs. So uh, the Indians were not far from sure. just winning it right there. Yeah, I mean, uh, I love websites like 538, Fangraphs. I love kind of the statistical side of baseball. However, I don't think that um, like it was the best way to view this series as a Cubs fan. Like 538 put out a an article saying that um, Donald Trump had a better chance of being elected <laughs> president than the Cubs coming back and winning the World Series. Yeah. And I think they were like less than 15% chance or something like that. And that's just an unhelpful way to view the series. Like, because each game is its own entity. And so when you say, say to yourself, oh, they have to win three in a row against the best team in the American League. Yeah, of course that sounds insurmountable. But yep. like when you just look at each game, and the pitching matchups in each game, you know, at, at most the games are a coin flip, 50-50. Mm-hmm. And at best, you know, the Cubs probably had a 60 or 70% chance given the starting pitchers. So it was just like, I don't know. I, I don't love the way that, um, you know, we threw out those percentages as if the Cubs had no chance. And I think I saw someone tweet after game four that it was would be the, the greatest comeback <laughs> in uh, baseball history or something like that. So Hopefully you unfollow that person now. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's let's dive into Game Seven. Um, as you mentioned earlier, uh, one of the best games uh, of all time, right? Which I don't think is hyperbole to say right now. And uh, we'll talk kind of after we recap Game Seven. We'll have some questions reflecting back on it. But let's just kind of go into the um, the big plays from the game. And so I just wrote down kind of chronologically. Um, first through the tenth inning, the the moments that stand out, and then as we go, we can kind of reflect on those moments. So, the game started with a Dexter Fowler home run. Yep. I actually uh, did not see this in real time. Saw so on DVR uh, because it was pouring on the way up, and so the commute took much longer than we expected. Oh, so you didn't get there on time. We got there about seven oh five. Poor planning. But we left in plenty of time, but it's just construction and a ton of people were going into the city for the game and you could criticize John's driving, but <laughs> I wouldn't be the one to do that. Uh, I was also very nauseous because I don't do well in cars that other people are driving. Hmm. So not feeling the best, but Dexter turned all that around, hit the home run, uh, did the awesome uh, run backwards uh, <laughs> around first. And I felt like on the radio today they were talking, um, you know, the reason he did that is he wanted to connect with his teammates. Wanted to see them. Do you think that's how Corey Kluber uh, viewed the situation? I don't really care. Uh, 
but that that moment is like I I really think they were stepping to the guys on this team just genuinely for the most part liking each other mm-hmm. and uh, the fact that they were doing it together and embraced um, kind of the team component and everyone's going to say that when you win the World Series but I really feel like um, it's not just kind of yeah fluffy chemistry or whatever I think they really did play for no each no other. that was a cool moment uh, that's a new one for me though I mean I I feel like you've got the the images that run through my head, big homers are like, you know, Canerco putting the arm up around first base, maybe like a, a fist pump or the Kurt Gibson, like clutching of the arm, mm-hmm. the the spin and like kind of moonwalk or like high step uh, is, is definitely a new one. He's got some swag. I mean, this, this won't be like replayed mm-hmm. down the road. Uh, I have in front of me uh, fan graphs, line by line, win expectancy and leverage index for each play of the, the game. Okay. The, guess the Cubs percentage chance. Why you had so many sheets? <laughs> guess the Cubs percentage chances of winning uh, after that home run. So <clears throat> after Fowler's home run, I would say sixty-five, sixty-one. Okay. The other play from the first inning that I had written down is Kyle Schwarber's steal of second. Yeah, infield single before that. Yep, beat it out, and then um, just got a great jump off Kluber. It's <clears throat> so what everyone should be doing to Lester. I do not. That's like the thing that's given me the most stress in the playoffs. It's like Rajay Davis is the only guy who understands that you literally just have to go. Like there's no point in, but I digress. Sorry. All right. Moving on to the second inning. Uh, Cubs didn't do anything in their top half. Uh, and then the Indians got a base runner on, but then Kyle Hendricks uh, picked Jose Ramirez off. Uh, am I wrong in thinking he looks exactly like Juan Uribe? I saw you tweet that. Uh, no, that's pretty accurate. That the, the wad of tobacco is like really that seals the deal. Yeah. Yep. Um, moving on to the third. Uh, Schwarber tries to stretch a single into a double. Gets thrown out pretty easily at second base. I didn't mind that. Yeah. Two outs. Well, with I minded it because you've got um, Bryant and Rizzo coming up next. And, the, you know, Possibly risking uh, an injury because they had kind of yeah. told him to, to relax on the bases. Uh, in the bottom of the third, it got interesting. So Baez makes his second error of the game, his first in the third inning. Um, he tried to barehand a flip to second base, and uh, the ump called the runner out initially. Inexplicably, what was he looking at? It's bizarre. Is it me, or has umpiring gotten like far worse since replays? Like I don't remember this egregious of a call before replay was instituted. I would say there's probably a 99.9% chance that it's just you. Really? Yes. How would replay? Can you imagine if that would have been the call and we would have seen a replay and like? Oh, they would have. They would have asked the other umpires and then the umps would have. Think so? Of course. Uh, So that made it first and second with one out, and then Hendricks went down 3-0 to um, Francisco Lindor, who is the Indians' best hitter. Gets him to fly out, though, and then um, gets out of the inning with no damage. And that was after the Indians had already scored a run. So it's one-to-one at this point. The fourth inning, uh, Bryant makes the first uh, of two great base running moves in the game. Um, He tagged up on a short fly out to Rajay Davis in center field. So the Cubs go up two-to-one. Throw was just a little bit high. Bryant slides underneath. Davis was actually playing left at that point. Nice no, he's center the whole game. But, uh, yeah, I guess it was more in... It was left center. Left so, center, yeah. Yep. 
How dare you question me? Apologize. Um, the Cubs actually flew out to Davis five times, I counted today, in the play-by-play. And then they they homered um, uh, three times to center field. So clearly trying to go up the middle. Uh, the fifth inning, uh, lots of stuff happened. Uh, Baez homered in the top half. Uh, and then Kluber left the game. Uh, and then Bryant scored from first on a single by Rizzo after that. Um, so the Cubs go up 5-1 to one at that point. Kluber left the game in the fifth. Uh, just four innings pitched, no strikeouts. Um, so he did not have his best stuff. So the Cubs are up 5-1. to one. Win expectancy? Uh, oh, boy. I'll go 88. 91. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the bottom of the fifth, Hendricks gets the first two guys uh, gets the first two guys out, and then he walks Carlos Santana. So with Kipnis and Lindor coming up, Madden brings in Lester and David Ross to replace Contreras and Hendricks. Hendricks had retired seven in a row before this, before the walk to Santana. A lot of people question the move. Um, Lester would go on to give up uh, two runs, kind of on fluke plays. Uh, Ross made a throwing error, um, and then he uh, didn't stop a wild pitch, kind of did a weird tumble, and uh, Kipnis scored from second, which was a pretty cool play um, for Game 7 of the World Series. Paul, what, uh, what did you make of that decision in particular for Madden? Yeah, I didn't agree with it. Um, I thought it was just another uh, another evidence maybe of, of Madden getting too cute or just uh, the moment making him overreact. Like it's a fine line between kind of the Brian Kenny bullpenning type mentality where you pull your guy as soon as he shows signs of any weakness. Like I generally agree with that, but like you just have to have some feel. Um, and maybe that's hard to do from the dugout. I don't know. Um, for for how a guy's pitching, and I thought Hendricks looked great. Like I didn't mm-hmm. think he was really laboring, um, other than that one inning. Well, but. he was he was hit hard and not pitching well the first three innings. He only gave up one run, but if you go back, he's yeah, missing he his gave spots up that, consistently. That shot down the line that Bryant caught um, that would have changed things quite a bit. So I, I he did have a very good <clears throat> fourth and into the fifth, um, but I think if we went back and watched the first three innings, you would see kind of a different like my thing though is like he so madden knows before the game he's got zero confidence in his bullpen right sure so i would think that madden would have more confidence in Hendricks to finish that inning than like bringing in edwards jr or montgomery early like no i mean in his mind he's thinking they're up five to one he's thinking lester and chapman he's not thinking about bringing those guys in Right, but I'm saying like it precipitated um, having to like bring Chapman into the the eighth. Like, well, I th- I I personally think that Madden thought Chapman would be fine. Yeah, and he wasn't, so I think that's probably the biggest surprise for yeah. Madden. Yeah, I don't think there's any way he thought he'd have to bring in anyone but but um, Lester and Chapman. Hmm. I just if uh, yeah yeah you're right. If like if he, I think if he gets that out, then Chapman is only asked to pitch one inning. Which I guess, sure. He, even if he's only pitched one inning, um, he didn't have this stuff yeah. to uh, to get out of that one inning. Yep, and we'll get to that later. Uh, so moving on to the sixth inning, uh, David Ross hits a home run in his second to last at bat in the major leagues. Um, last official at bat. Did he walk? 
He walked in the ninth. Yeah. Okay. Such a cool moment. Yeah, he did walk off to lead the lead the ninth. I yeah. loved uh, Fox, uh, like Buck, like uh, cut to the. <laughs> uh, they had him mic'd up. Like cut. It's like here's David Ross's reaction to that homer, and it was literally just silence. It was it was pretty cool um, to hear that, but it's still kind of a letdown. I was hoping for something. You feel like uh, because it was nothing that was like at least worth playing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, so Cubs are up 6-3. Moving on to the seventh only memorable play that I kind of um, thought about is Lester not being able to turn double play. Uh, <laughs> clearly did not want to throw to second. Did mm-hmm. the whole bobble, stuck on the glove thing, and uh, flips it to first. Kate but, was actually like, uh, it's like, he did it, he did it. It's like, what are you talking about? He's like, he, he, like, he made the ball to first base. All right, moving on to the eighth inning. Uh, two outs, nobody on uh, in the bottom of the eighth. Lester gives up a single, infield single, to Jose Ramirez. Russell um, would have been a good play if he had made it, um, but I'm sure he probably thinks he should have made it. So Ramirez gets on, and uh, Chapman comes into the game. Brandon Geyer, who just crushed his left-handers, apparently. Former Cub. I didn't realize that he was in the Matt Garza trade. Huh, but he never played in the majors. Right, yeah, just a farmhand. He doubles, uh, he doubles in... Ramirez, so it makes it six to four, and then at that point, were you like, were you super nervous? I was pacing quite a bit. The fact that they could tie at any point is pretty nerve wracking. I don't get crazy nervous until they could take the lead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, after that double, uh, one expectancy they're still at eighty eight percent. Yeah, and I, I wasn't that afraid of Davis hitting a home run, and that was partly my fault. Um, he hit twelve homers in twenty sixteen. And has 55 career home runs. Did you see how much he was choking up, though? Yeah, but I mean, when he hit it, I'm like, oh my gosh, what's this? This guy probably has, you know, yeah. one homer this year, probably five in his career. Yeah, he's got some power. He literally could only cover a pitch on the like the inner part he, of the plate. That was a really good at bat. He was falling off a lot of um, tough pitches. But Chapman, again, if he was throwing his normal speed, uh, I think it's a strikeout pretty mm-hmm. easily. So, uh, Davis, of course, homers. And we'll play the audio clip to end the podcast, along with many others. Uh, just a phenomenal uh, emotional moment for uh, baseball fans, I think. Mm-hmm. Cre- uh, that homer is what made this game great. Yeah, uh, I agree. Because if, it, if, it, if that didn't happen, then it's a normal normal game, and we're not really talking about it a ton. Did uh, you ever, when the Cubs were up, you know, 6-1 to one or 6-3, to three, did your mind ever, like, go to – Kind of thinking about like uh, what it would be like to celebrate. Oh, of course. Really? I had a tweet prepared saying the Cubs came back from 3-1 in the World Series to win it all. Hmm. And I was going to tweet it early to kind of make a statement like it's going to happen. But I I held off. And I think if the Cubs had uh, held on to that lead, the comeback from down 3-1 would be the bigger storyline today. Yeah. But because of how crazy the game is, it's not really talked about. If the Cubs would have lost... Joe Men's the goat, right? Oh, of course. Yeah, that's amazing. That's a, the thing about sports that is so nuts to me is like narratives literally shift on like such like one play, mm-hmm. one or two plays. That's nuts. All right, moving on to the ninth inning. Uh, Jason Hayward uh, gets forced out, or Ross uh, walks, and then Hayward gets on on a fearless choice. He steals second and goes to third on a Jan Gomes throwing error. Uh, but that's with a 3-2 count. 
So Javi Baez is up in a 3-2 count with Hayward on third. Just needs to put the ball in play. And then Madden has him try to bunt. And uh, pretty good pitch to bunt on or good pitch to hit a fly ball on. Mm -hmm. But Baez um, fouls it off, strike three. And after the game, there's actually quite a bit of um, quite a few quotes that, that a lot of the players didn't like that call and thought that he was um, um, hamstringing bias there. Hmm. So it's without question that that was Madden's call. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, yeah, it looked like on the replay that that was the case. I just yep, yeah, that's. I didn't think it was that bad of move bias, yeah. just swinging through so much stuff, and he had a homer earlier that game. Yeah, I mean, but he's awful in the series. So I think uh, I wouldn't have done it, but I understood. Maybe. It's the idea like when you're missing a ton of jump shots in basketball, if you just get to the line or just get you know see the ball go through, it just changes your perspective a little bit. And so with Baez, it's like he's been in such a funk outside of the homer that maybe having him bunt on a 3-2 count um, makes, him on, you know, makes him focus on different things and – if he, mm -hmm. if he got it down, we'd be saying, Madden, what a genius. Okay, Fowler right after that hit one right up the middle, and Lindor made a great play. I thought it was a single off the bat. Yeah, fantastic play. With the uh, the wet grass, too. Like, mm -hmm. It's just a really, not, really hard play. Not hit incredibly hard, right? which helped him. Um, and uh, kind of slow out of the box. But, yeah, great play by Lindor. Chapman goes back out for the ninth, and this is the decision I really disagree with from Madden. Didn't make any sense to me. Facing the the Indians' three best hitters, Santana, Kipnis, and Lindor, apparently Chapman begged Madden to put him back out there, and so that's why it happened. Hmm. He met Harvey him. Yeah, and it worked out. He threw a ton of sliders. I would say eighty, ninety percent sliders, and it worked. So move on to the tenth inning, and this is one of the crazier innings that I can remember in Cubs history. First, you start with the rain delay. Uh, lasted 17 minutes. Thought it would last for much longer. If you looked at the radar, I know you were looking at it, Paul. Yeah, we weren't reading it correctly. The storm was actually moving northeast. Uh, so it was going to go cross over the lake. Right, which yeah. makes far more sense. Because <laughs> when the ump came over the broadcast and said there's nothing behind it, uh, that, you know, I erupted. But... um I, I read, did many, some reading afterwards. Many tweets. Some, yes, from meteorologists, and they said it was moving northeast. So, My favorite one of your tweets this week has been when you spelled Jason Hayward wrong and deleted it and had to type it again. <laughs> All right. Uh, so after the rain delay, Schwarber singles. Just a rocket off the bat. He's just an amazing hitter. <laughs> um, I think you could have made a case for him being MVP just because of how he changed the lineup. Mm-hmm but didn't really have much impact on the games at Wrigley. So he singles uh, Albert Elmora pinch runs, and that's huge because on the Chris Bryant flyout, which uh, was to Davis in center field, uh, Elmora tags and gets to second pretty easily. Mm -hmm. Really good base running move by Elmora, who was the first draft pick in the Theo era. First round pick. Uh, Rizzo is intentionally walked, so you got first and second one out with a Zobrist up, and he doubles on a one-two pitch down the line, and I think that that's the moment, that's the play that I'll, I'll always remember. The cool thing about that is like that is the exact thing that Zobrist was brought in for, like contact uh, in a high 
you know, pressure situation. Um, just a great piece of hitting. Yep. Uh, Montero singles in another run after that, um, after Russell was intentionally walked, and then Hayward and Baez get out. Uh, pretty terrible at bats for both of them, especially Hayward, just a terrible at bat. So move to the bottom of the 10th. Cubs up to two outs, nobody on. I think it's going to be easy, uh, but of course it's not. Brendan Geyer walks on five pitches. Then Davis choking up a ton again against Carl Edwards. Singles up the middle. Geyer scores, and then they bring in Mike Mike Montgomery, and uh, he faces Michael Martinez, who is a terrible hitter, mm-hmm. <laughs> one of the worst in baseball. Gets him on a weak ground out. Really good play by Bryant to um, to make the play. Even kind of slipped a little bit. Yeah, did you? I was gonna ask if you noticed that. Mm-hmm. Um, of course. Also, the one of the coolest pictures is when he's fielding that ground ball. Um, starts. Not even like just a modest smile, but like a full-on grin, just knowing that the mm-hmm. the Cubs are going to win the World Series. Yeah, that was awesome. Very, very cool. Uh, so that's the game. Uh, I don't know, Paul, if you had um, anything you wanted to kind of add to it or plays that I possibly missed. No, I thought that was spot on. Um, I thought one of the funnier things was, um, like, uh, of all people, to kind of rally the team together during the rain delay. Oh, yeah. Uh, you have Jason Hayward, who you know is mm-hmm. brand new to the team this year, uh, and is the worst performer in the, the everyday lineup, and had the worst at bat by far, like you mentioned in that inning. Um, so just a really unlikely guy to kind of rally everyone together. Yeah, uh, the Hayward speech was pretty legendary, uh, and uh, yeah, it seems like it actually impacted the guys. Mm-hmm. Like they, a lot of them talked about. The mentality after that, and of course, you know, if Schwarber doesn't get the single, then that probably doesn't matter. But um, yeah, really cool storyline. So, Paul, my question uh, was this the best game in our lifetime? The best game in our lifetime? Talking just baseball, right? Yes. Um, yeah, without giving it a ton of thought, I'll say yeah. Okay. Uh, better than the 2011 Game 6 World Series? You know, no. That one's better? Yes. Okay. Better than 2001 Game 7 World Series? I don't know a ton about that game other than the the single by Gonzalez. They scored two to? To win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would, I would probably say the Cubs. And then the 97 Game 7 World Series. When Again, other than that last. Marlins beat the. They scored two. Yeah, I, I'd probably still say this one. Okay. So second best. Second best, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, 40 million viewers tuned in. Yeah. Highest rated uh, or most watched game since 1991. Game seven of that World Series. Uh, so tons of baseball fans. Really, really cool moment. Um, the highest for baseball? For the, for the whole World Series, I think it was twenty an average of 23 million per night or per game, which is the highest in 11 years. Um, since the White Sox. Wow, really? Yeah, White Sox was higher. Gosh, that's nuts that the um that's it was the Astros White Sox. Yeah. Baseball is big. I'd be really interested. Have you seen any breakdown of like where people are watching from? Like is it because Chicago <laughs> is such a big market that's being tapped into or No, I mean it's cuz this Cubs storyline. Yeah. People are watching. All right, well that does it for our recap of Game 7. 
Yeah, I don't I don't even know how I'm really sounding on this podcast. Like I don't know if people listen to it and be like, Oh man, I thought Peter would be more excited or less excited. I don't I'm just so emotionally drained at this point that it's um yeah, it's like a surreal thing to, to discuss and I think down the road I'll have more time to kinda of think back, but right now on such little sleep, um yeah, it's it's kinda of difficult for me to process what exactly happened. Yeah, it reminds me, and some people may scoff at this, of uh, the day after your wedding, where like so much happened in such a short amount of time, and you have like so many interactions that the next morning is sort of just like reliving, like oh wow, like all of that just happened, yeah, and, and like things change forever, right? Um, and so you just spend the day kind of like in a in a fog or kind of in a trance. Wouldn't be able to relate, but uh, I <laughs> I can see your point. So yes, a very special day for me, and um, I, I really wanted to do this podcast now to um, be able to listen to down the road, um, kind of hear my thoughts on one of the best games of our lifetime, one of the best games ever, really, and um, just a, a historic American sports moment, Cubs, uh, Cubs breaking the curse. I haven't asked yet, but I'm assuming this is the greatest sports moment of your life. Yes. What what do you think would be up there outside uh, of that? Well, like I said, I was assuming so, but um, I think Illinois Arizona game would be if that had been a national championship game, that would have been be high on the list. But this is this is bigger, really. Yeah, I mean it's the biggest Chicago sports moment ever. Mm-hmm. I think you could argue it's the biggest American sports moment ever. Well, Nate Silver, like you tweeted, argued that it was one of the greatest American cultural moments ever, right? Yeah. American society. Yep. I agree. I agree. hundred percent. Okay. So let's, um, talk to someone that was actually at game six and game seven. Our friend Marcus, uh, he's a Cubs fan, lifelong Cubs fan. Uh, he's really good friends with our old brother, John, but we've become friends with him over the years. And he, um, is from Kiwani, Illinois. Hot capital of the world. Yes. Sh- shout out. Uh, so you can Google where that is, but it's central Illinois about 20 minutes from where Paul and I grew up in Sheffield, Illinois. Um, so thought we'd talk to Marcus, kind of get the vibe of what game six and game seven was like and see just his thoughts on the Cubs winning it all. So here is Marcus. All right, well, we're joined by our friend Marcus from Kiwani, Illinois. Uh, Marcus, you attended uh, game six, game seven in the World Series. Uh, have you... Uh, recovered? No, uh, not fully. We we go back today, and so got home and spent some time with my kids and and showed them a few highlights. But have not recovered physically, just exhausted. Because um, I was at Game Six, Game Seven, we stayed around after the park late both games, and so not a lot of sleep, but just emotionally, uh, Game Seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, my goodness, um, <laughs> just zapped the life out like it, it gave me life in one way but zapped everything else out so i'm still sort of emotionally exhausted from that experience what what is the phrase uh the cubs are world series champions like what does that does that do anything to you yeah you know it's it's weird i i always wondered if when it actually happened if i would be kind of let down you know mm-hmm because that that the romanticism of that would be gone, but 
but no, I just like the way it sounds, and now I just want to dominate people, <laughs> you know, for years to come. And so I'm, I'm actually pleasantly surprised with how I feel about kind of next year already getting excited about well, it. you got to root for a dynasty now. I feel like that's that's what you got to root yeah, for. Ab- yeah, absolutely. So, Marcus, heading to uh, game six, or at least after game four when the Cubs were down 3-1, you, at least on Twitter, seem to have uh, more optimism than most Cubs fans. What was what was that confidence rooted in? And uh, if you if you didn't have that confidence, would you have spent money on, on going to Game Six? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I was pretty confident. You know, Trevor Bauer didn't didn't scare us. Of course, he did pitch. You know, two thirds of a, a very good uh, game there in Game Seven. But um, you know, he didn't scare you. They're going into Game uh, I guess five. That was you know Tomlin. You know, I mean, was really good, but I felt like it was as good as he could possibly be. Mm-hmm. And so, it was in Game Six, and even going into the stadium that night, like I wasn't, I wasn't even really even contemplating the idea that we might lose that game. I, I'm not exactly sure why. It felt like our bats were waking up a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, especially by by Game Six. And then Game Seven, I mean, knowing that Kluber was going to be coming back on short rest, you know, for the second time. And, then, and he wasn't quite, you know, he was pretty effective in game four, but wasn't quite as sharp, it didn't seem like. And so I was pretty confident we'd be able to get to him. The issue was going to be really how they would get to us. And so I felt I felt really confident we'd get to game seven based on the pitching matchups and the fact that our offense seemed to be coming around a little bit. Uh, but game seven was the, the one I was still pretty nervous about. At what point did you decide to uh, commit to going? Well, uh, financially, at the exactly wrong time. Um <laughs> You know, we decided to do it when the Cleveland games were substantially cheaper than the games at Wrigley. And then, of course, you know, after the Cubs lost game three, that switched because then we're going to be able to clinch at Wrigley. And it seemed like uh, ticket prices went way down to where, you know, going Sunday night at Wrigley would have actually been cheaper. Hmm. But uh, but that's when we got them. And, you know, I kind of like going into opposing ballparks. There's kind of a different element to that that's, that makes it kind of exciting. And, uh, you know, it's kind of an excuse for a road trip, too. So. Um, we chose to go after uh, Game Three. We bought the tickets. Is that six, seven hours from Kiwani? Yeah, it took us uh, about seven hours. My my brother actually drove like thirteen hours from Boston to meet us there. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, honestly, that was one of the fun things was kind of learning where everybody came from. You know, we had one guy had dr- driven from New York for Game Seven, had to be back in New York and at work by ten a.m. You know, today. Um, <laughs> A father and son from Seattle who had, you know, taken the red eye, gotten to Chicago, actually driven from Chicago to Cleveland. Just all these different people with all these different, these different stories was actually part of the fun last night. That kind of leads into my next question. What were the uh, other fans like at the game, the Indians and the Cubs fans? <laughs> yeah, so I'll say this. The Cleveland people were awesome. I mean, whether it was people at the hotel, people you run into, you know, on the street or at restaurants or whatever. Everybody was really good. And one of the, not negatives, but one of the things I wasn't excited about was I, I have nothing against the Indians, right? Mm-hmm. Um, no animosity, no reason not to actually like them. And you kind of would like to have a reason not to like the team you're playing as a fan. Yeah. Um, but Game 7, uh, I was given a couple of those reasons. We had a couple of real jack wagons behind us <laughs> um, who were extremely – Loud and wasn't Charlie Sheen, was it? With. What's that? It wasn't Charlie Sheen, was it? It wasn't Charlie Sheen. And I was shocked that he was not more prominently involved. <laughs> they showed him once. But I thought, you know, 
we get a lot of Tom Beringer and Charlie Sheen and Renee Russo action, but uh, that never that never happened. Yeah. But no, people were really good. The couple guys behind us were rough, and that made Game Seven uh, more difficult, but then more satisfying too. So, Cleveland people were great. Cubs fans, um, this it, it's a unique experience, right? Game Seven, because there's just so much like heaviness to it. You know, and it and it was really palpable, especially as they started coming back, just the weight of everything. And so, honestly, Cubs fans weren't as exuberant and loud as I thought they might be. There was just a lot of, of tension, which, you know, Rizzo talked about that at Wrigley, but that was also kind of going on there. I don't think it was, you know, as noticeable on the field. But there was a lot of tension in the Cubs fans in the stands. What, uh, what happened internally when, I guess, what was your vantage point for Davis's homer down the line? And then what what was going on inside of you when when that happened? Yeah, so you know Davis had been pretty good in the series, um, and so you know, and, and I, I'm not a Chapman guy, right? Mm-hmm. And I actually told my brother, like, you know, I don't believe in karma, but if I did, you know, something's going to go wrong here. Yeah. And uh, of course, it did. Do you believe and, in karma now? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't. Just coincidence, I guess. But, yeah, that was a terrible moment. I mean, you know, it left the bat, and he knew immediately. And, you know, the 65% of the people there that were Indians fans had been holding it back for, you know, four or five innings and just unleashed. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you know, and, and even I think Theo in uh, Tom Berducci's piece that, that came out this morning, you know, he talked about kind of his mind going to a bad place about, you know, all this time, all the sacrifices, it's not going to happen, you know, when that happened. And, and I, that's how I felt, too. Hmm. That's how I felt, too. Well, especially when Chapman came back out for the, the bottom of the ninth. Um, yeah. Against, I mean, against you, guys, the... you guys will probably get into all of the managerial stuff. But, uh, yeah, my what, goodness. Questionable. I, I've yeah, never I looked mean, at an empty bullpen with such anger. They're really in both games six and seven. I couldn't even watch. I had to listen on the radio. You know, and I, and I think the thing with Chapman, it, it's how I felt about Kluber. You know, that he was going to be coming in at whatever, 75%. And I think, you know, another guy who, you know, maybe he's a grade down, but if he's at 100% is a much better option. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I just kept looking at the bullpen, you know, where's, where's Strope? I mean, where's really anybody? You know, eventually Edwards Jr. came in, but, you know, why aren't these guys up? And, and they just never got up. And mm-hmm. so that was, that was kind of flummoxing, but I know you guys will get to that, so I'll, I'll lead you to it. You know, uh, Madden's kind of mismanaging is just one of probably 20 storylines from Game 7. Um, mm-hmm. You talk about Ross's homer. We haven't mentioned that yet. And his second to last at bat. Talk about Schwarber. I mean, that's almost an afterthought now that he wasn't even in, on people's radars a month ago as being able to come back. Right. Talk about Hayward's speech in the locker room. Just so many different storylines. Is there like one or two that you think will stick out? Obviously, other than the curse being broken and you know, the 108 that, that you think you'll remember for years to come? Yeah, I mean, I, I think just the, the series as a whole, you know, who was going to be MVP? Um, you know, it was kind of a toss-up. I think once Zoe got that hit, it kind of became obvious it'd probably be him. But it really was a team deal, you know. I mean, it really came from everywhere. And even in that last game, you know, Baez's home run, uh, you know, Willie having the double off the wall, you know, guys who had just been lost, you know, kind of finding themselves in these certain moments, you know, Addy with the grand slam in, in game six, just, 
the bits and pieces here and there, even Montero with his single, you know, that led to the win. It was, you know, not, not to be cliche, but it really was a team, a team effort. And so I think that in terms of the storyline, just kind of the building of the roster one through 25, I think, yeah, for us, it was, it was Rossi. And, uh, you know, once we knew the Lester was going to pitch, he knew he was going to get in there and get in a batter too. And so for him to do what he did was pretty, was pretty incredible. Um, that was the one. That was the one that really stood out to me. Aside from just not knowing who it was going to be that was going to do the damage when we needed it, you know. Um, but that was a fun part. Um, you know that that seven, eight, nine slot had been an offensive black hole there for a couple games, and and then all of a sudden, um, you know, game seven, it, it all comes together. Uh, just a few more questions. Um, quick one: uh, Who or what did you think of during you know the last out, and then right after that, what kind of flash in your mind? Well. I figured Martinez would hit a home run. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't, and I don't even know has he ever hit a major league home run. He's I, don't, yet, I think he's. I think I heard someone say today that he's the worst. He was the worst hitter in baseball this year. Yeah. Which knowing well, that now, I, I, yeah, the. I, so that would have been idea. I mean, that right. would have been the story, right? Um, yeah, I want to hear on the ground, and I knew we had him. Yeah, I mean, so for me, like, I didn't even, I didn't make any noise. I didn't do anything when it happened. I was just sort of relieved. You know, in in one way, and, and, and yeah, I started thinking about uh, you know my grandpa who was you know home and able to watch it. I was able to Uncle Bo, who I guess was my great uncle, Uncle Dean, who wasn't even my uncle, but that's what I called him. <laughs> you know, all these older guys, and I, and I was thinking about this. You know, when you're a when you're a young kid in junior high and high school, and you come across these older guys in your community or in your church or even in your family, you know, what is it that you have that's like a shared thing? Nothing, really. But the Cubs were that thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's just certain people that whenever you saw them, that's you talk about the Cubs or, you know, maybe the Cardinals, whatever it was, and that was your shared bond. And so, you know, I, I thought of those guys um, right when it happened. And, and just I just stood there with my arm in, in the air until it, you know, got too tired and I finally put it down. But, <laughs> you know, that's, that's the kind of that's, – that's the people I thought of and just, you know, the millions and millions and millions of people. It wasn't and – I, and I felt like a lot of Cubs fans felt that way. It wasn't like a lot of, you know, yelling and high five, and there was some of that, but a lot of it was just sort of looking out at the field blankly, kind of just feeling mm-hmm. this collective, I think, relief and kind of profound sense of you know something has important has happened. Yeah, I think it's it was less like euphoric in the moment, but I think yeah. the satisfaction will last much longer. Um, like today, I was feeling. Um, feeling things like 24 hours after it happened that I didn't think I, I probably would have. Um, so I'm kind of curious to see how long that that lasts into the future. Forever. I think it'll last forever. <laughs> Hopefully eternity. Right, you know, and, and listen, like, you guys love baseball, and, and you guys have been baseball fans your whole lives. You have you come from a baseball family. You could even feel it as you walked around after the game. You know, certain people were kind of, you know, they were inebriated, and they were yelling, and they were doing this and that. But then other people... You know, like it was just like you just nod at them and they would nod at you, you know, and you could tell those were the people that were kind of taking it the same way that you were, right? Mm-hmm. And that was kind of neat, was that people were expressing it in all these different ways. But when you had one of those people that you could tell was taking it in the same way you were, like that was a really cool, kind of a cool part of, of the celebration afterwards. Yeah. And, um, I guess one more question here for me. Uh, and this is, I guess, a little more personal and, 
this is just something I'm curious about, you know, as sort of a, a diehard sports fan in general, not a Cubs fan, but just a sports fan. Yeah. I've wrestled from yeah. time to time with sort of the, um, the significance that sports play in my life. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. you seem like a super thoughtful guy, you know, you've done, uh, mission work. You seem to care about things that, that matter. You're, you're not a, um, kind of a bonehead sports fan. Um, you can take that as a compliment, I guess. Uh, my, my, my question <laughs> for you, though, is what would you say to the maybe non-sports fan or the non-baseball fan who says, you know, this is this is really just a game. You know, we've got a presidential election coming up next week that has far greater implications. There are other things going on in the world more important than this. Like, what would you say to that person when they say, kind of, why does this matter? Yeah, yeah it, it, that's a hard question. And I don't know that I have a great, a great answer. You know, I saw somebody... Um, was referencing a quote that talked about how you know just just having something that you care deeply about is good. Like that, that thing doesn't have to be an important thing, but just the act of caring deeply about something is, is kind of worth it on its own. And I think there's some truth to that. I don't want to apply too much to it, but you know, for me, part of the joy of sports it's just it's a social thing, both you know with with my family, with my friends, but also just you know with teams with the way humans operate, you know, it's, it's, it just encompasses all these things that other areas in life don't necessarily have in it, you know, just in terms of all the, the relationships and, and the hierarchy. And, um, it's just a real study like in human nature, you mm-hmm. know, and, and people doing, doing great things, people doing, you know, terrible things and, and struggling, um, and so it has all of those things within a, within a game, and it just so happens. And I think for us, a game, you know, that somebody once invented randomly, um, that we really love, right? Um, I don't get I, soccer. I get it, but I don't get super passionate about that because I don't love the game of soccer. I love the game of baseball. You know, I mean, you guys can talk for three hours just about the managerial things and and understanding those things. And so when you couple something that you really love like that with kind of the social dynamic and and all the relational stuff. It's just a unique thing. It's, it's, it's hard to explain and, and describe, but I think especially when you start to experience it in community, that's where it really kind of takes it to the next level, which is what we're all experiencing now. Mm-hmm. You know, if I was a huge um, Premier League fan and I loved, you know, whoever, Tottenham Hotspur, um, <laughs> nobody else cares about them. And so, you know, so that wouldn't be a big deal. But around here, you know, I can have all these connections, like we're talking about with the, you know, older guys in our lives or just random people who otherwise we wouldn't know and wouldn't talk to, but yet we have this common bond through sport um, that I think is, is really unique. And so that, that part of it, especially on a day like today and yesterday kind of takes on more, more prevalence. Well said. Well, uh, thanks so much for uh, making a little time for us. I'm sure your family is desperately needing uh, you back in their lives after <laughs> the last few days. Well, yeah, and I got to say, you know, um, my wife, my brother's wife, and I think wives, spouses, uh, really all over the country based on people <laughs> I talk to, uh, we're taking one for the team there. So a lot of us have a few weeks of uh, making up to do in terms of the time we've missed. So, um, but yeah, you know, it's it's a, it's an amazing blessing to be able to go to the game and, and be a part of something like that. And um, so I'm, I'm super thankful for everybody who, who made it possible and, and knowing that you guys were watching was part of the fun too. Really, guys like you and, and people I've known, they were all kind of experiencing it from different angles, but but seeing the same thing and kind of feeling the same thing was cool. Awesome. Well, Marcus, thanks so much. Um, and I guess uh, we'll root for number two now. 
That's right. Keep it going. Run the dynasty. Gentlemen, enjoy the podcast. Thanks a lot for having me on. Thanks, Marcus. Well, thanks to Marcus uh, for joining us. I uh, really appreciate his thoughts um, and his perspective on the Cubs winning the World Series. Pretty amazing reality. Well, Paul, uh, it's the end of another baseball season. Uh, I've got some uh, cool things lined up next couple Mondays. This upcoming Monday, so Monday would be November 7th. 7th, yep. The day before the election. Yeah. <laughs> it's our big election preview. <laughs> no, it's... Um, Theo for president. <laughs> this Monday, uh, I'm going to do something special. Over the weekend, I'm going to edit um, all of the podcasts we did during the, the regular season and kind of splice together uh, 2016 Cubs foot in the box uh, reflection. So using all of the clips where we talked about the Cubs or interview different people about the Cubs, I'm going to splice together um, kind of a, se- a 2016 season interview for the Cubs. Because we talked about them so much, because I'm a Cubs fan, it makes sense to do that. Uh, really, if anyone else won the World Series outside of the Cubs or the White Sox, we wouldn't be able to do this. Um, but I think I'm going to really enjoy that, putting that together, and I think you'll really enjoy it listening so look for that in our podcast feed on monday yeah i'm super excited for that and then the monday after that <coughs> will be our uh kind of normal season review uh, look back at some of our predictions uh, at the beginning of the season not just standings but um you know bigger picture things like strike zone and pace of play and those sorts of things batter up why there are so many home runs fish, yes fish then, don't fry in the kitchen uh do you want that to be the start things don't burn on the grill See, to me, that podcast is kind of the end of the season, and the next one would be the first off-season podcast. So you're you're thinking first off-season is when I would do that? I think so. Better up. I've been yeah. practicing. Let's hear a snippet. No, no, no. Ladies and gentlemen, please rise nope. for the singing of your Nothing national here. anthem. We have agreed that it's just the first, like, 15 seconds, right? The, the part that's played before we start? Yeah, like 15, 20 seconds. It's 30. Look forward to that. Um, yeah, and then on that podcast, the 14th, then um, we'll review the season and then preview the off season. I'm, uh, sure, I'm sure we'll talk about this at our season recap, but um, big thank you to all our fans this year. Yeah, well, I've got a note here. Yeah, huge, huge thank you, um, especially during the postseason. So we did these over-unders during the World Series for each game, released them before each game of the World Series and had a ton of feedback. So huge thanks to everyone that did that. Uh, huge thanks to everyone that played our fantasy game. Uh, Paul, do you know how you performed? Yeah, not well. Of the 59 entries, you finished 56th. Yeah, not good. What do you attribute your lack of? I was banking on the Red Sox making the World Series. They did not make Which the World Series. I do not regret that. You have to pick a team and ride them. So uh, I'm guessing the winner had a lot of Indians players. Uh, I actually haven't looked at his roster. Really? Yeah, so congrats to Jacob B. He's the winner. Uh, very much a Bertle type of performance. <laughs> Controlled it throughout, never a doubt. Hashtag Bertle. Uh, so Jacob wins it. Congrats to him. I finished 16th. So much, much more honorable than Paul. Thanks for doing that. And then uh, thanks for listening and reading. October was our best month ever. Yeah, we got to get... So thanks, uh, to, thanks for that. Blue Apron, uh, MeUndies, mm-hmm. all the typical podcast sponsors. We need to get them on the line. Absolutely. 
Uh, yeah, so I'll if work on if that. If you're an advertiser, contact us. We'd like your money. Because we have to pay Jacob $25 a piece <laughs> for that. I'm going to write a little bit on the blog. I've got some a uh, couple of different Cubs posts planned, so I'll check that out as well. Flip I actually have a, I have a Game 7 recap that is 45% of the way done. Wow. You have not blogged in a couple months now. Yeah, that's true. Got a bank on you uh, all that time, free time at home with the kids. Uh, you say free. That's um, not exactly <laughs> free. It's because it's Twitter time. <laughs> no response. All right. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, at a foot in the box. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Uh, make sure to leave us a rating and review there. We'd really appreciate that. You can email us at a foot in the box at gmail.com. And you can check us out online at a foot in the box dot com. The Cubs are your 2016 champions. To close out this podcast, I have put together a little montage of Game 7 with the help of our friend Red from Shawshank Redemption. So enjoy that. And uh, probably got anything else? Nope, just keep a foot in the box. We'll talk to you soon. And the Cubs are the champions. For the second time in my life, I'm guilty of committing a crime. Parole violation. Of course, I doubt they'll toss up any roadblocks for that. Not for an old crook like me. Fort Hancock, Texas, please. I find I'm so excited I can barely sit still or hold a thought in my head. I think it's the excitement only a free man can feel. A free man at the start of a long journey whose conclusion is uncertain. I hope I can make it across the border. I hope to see my friend and shake his hand. I hope the Pacific is as blue as it has been in my dreams. I hope. A little bouncer slowly toward Bryant. He will glove it and throw to Rizzo. It's in time! And the Chicago Cubs win the World Series! The Cubs come pouring out of the dugout. Jumping up and down like a bunch of delirious 10-year-olds. The Cubs have done it. The longest drought in the history of American sports is over. And the celebration begins.